0: The following episode of the 9pm Edict contains strong language, politics, and the usual amount of disturbing sexual imagery, and it's being recorded live.
1: Tuesday, the 31st of August, 2021. Tonight is the end of official winter in Australia, and so to mark the end of the late winter series of this podcast... The recording of this episode is being streamed live and some of you are even watching via video. Tonight, you'll hear about Cameron's law of the internet. You should never, ever delete your stuff. Never back down. There's a short quiz, including this sound. And you'll hear about the worst news story ever Published. Who knows? I guess we'll never know. There's no way of us ever finding out. <laughs> this is the 9pm end of winter, live. Oh uh, Well, actually, there is another uh, episode um, after this one, uh, because I had to move the schedule around a bit, um, so this was planned, you know, end winter, end the late winter series, all on the 31st of August, and then you know life intervened, so there you go. one more i 'll tell you about that a bit later uh, there 's a lot happening uh, in the news, I know, but uh, I wanted to um, I wanted to uh, to start with a cheerful thought uh, from the home of the brave in the land of the free, United States of America. I saw on Twitter earlier today uh, from Rob Sheridan, whoever he is. Uh, it's got a blue tick, whatever. Um, and he says, my friend teaches high school, and I asked him uh, how his first week back at school was going. Gee, JFC, he says. Jesus fucking Christ, here's what the teacher said. American high school teacher. Thanks, dude. He's American, I suppose. Kids arrive Wednesday, but we've been in meetings the last week asking questions like... Can I leave my door open for ventilation from the deadly virus? And the answer is, no, you must keep it closed to the active shooters. So that's kind of where the American school system is right now. Um, Shouldn't you keep it closed, you know, to to stop the active shooter, keep it closed for them where we're committing to the active shooters? The risk assessment there is really weird. More worried about being shot than the virus. And therefore, I wanted to talk a bit about risk tonight, COVID-19 and risk, uh, as it happens. I would planned to do this anyway, but uh, a couple of hours before uh, I started recording, I found out that the supermarket I went to last Thursday uh, had a COVID-positive staff member working that day. Um, so tomorrow I have to go and get tested again. And uh, that's uh, of course, you know, a lot of fun. And uh, it was interesting looking at uh, looking at the the risks uh, involved in that because I don't have a car, so everything's built around having a drive-in kind of test. And if you don't drive, you can't go to a drive-in uh, because they've built the risk up around the idea that everyone is in their car most of the time peering out through a little crack in the window uh, when they're talking and then just opening the window all the way to get their brain scraped. And that's kind of fine, but what if you don't? And for me, up in the Blue Mountains, um, I have a choice for tomorrow. Uh, I can either, if I want to get done quickly, it's a 40 kilometer train ride down to Penrith and go to the Nepean Hospital, which is like an hour on the train, there's there's something good for you. If I want to go more locally, there is a clinic 8 kilometers away at Hazelbrook, only 10 minutes or so on the train, 15 minutes, whatever, uh, but they're booked up tomorrow and I'd have to wait till the day after, so I'm going to go down on the train, uh, that'll be fun. Um, I'll let you know how I go. Uh, not in this episode, obviously. Uh, so I made my risk assessment there. What's interesting is that also today, uh, Tuesday the thirty-first of August, um, the fortnight's essential polling came out. They had a few questions looking at um, at COVID and at risk, and uh, there was one. Question about well, this is about people's reckons. Which of the following do you think is currently the biggest barrier to COVID 19 vaccine rollout? And uh, 48% of people reckon it's unwillingness to get vaccinated, 52% reckon it's the shortage of the vaccine uh, for those people. So that's that's a thing about half and half there. and I don't know the answer. It's probably a bit of both. What I found interesting in particular, though, are two things. One is, oh, look, there's a lot of stuff there. There's a whole bunch of questions about how well the information has been uh, put out there. Someone's paid for a lot of detail there. So, you know, go to the website uh, once this is done and, and click through to the figures. Lockdown restrictions. Here's a thing. The vast majority of people think it is either very clear and easy to understand the lockdown rules or fairly clear and easy to understand them, Uh, a total of 82% of respondents. Only 12% reckon it's not that clear and easy and only 5% say it's not at all clear and easy to understand the rules. So this whole thing about, oh, my fucking God, it's so confusing to work out the rules, is a complete Media beat up, <laughs> journalism, right? If you break it down by states, it is actually a bit of a thing. Um, New South Wales only twenty nine percent of people think it's very clear and easy, but still the majority. What's this four, five, six, seventy three percent are on the positive side in New South Wales, and obviously in places like Western Australia, it's massive. Ninety five percent of People in Western Australia think the rules are clear and easy to understand because they don't have lockdowns all that much, right? So there you go. Um, just pausing. There are people on the uh, the thing saying is volume lowish. Well, it's it's consistent. Leaving this end is what I'll say. Uh, that's for those of you looking at the video. I'm not concerned so much about you uh, watching on the video, as I as I say. I'm watching what's going out for the recording, and uh, I am happy with that. Um, That's it. I'll probably remix it quickly before putting it on the line. But these are the things uh, that I need to know. I'll edit that bit out probably, except it's live. I'll do it live to tape. I don't know. Um. One of the big questions about COVID, of course, at the moment is, are we trying to eliminate it or suppress it, which is a strange kind of way of looking at it. Elimination is what uh, this COVID zero strategy it is. It's a bit like Coke zero, but without the caffeine. And this is the idea that you'll just get rid of it entirely. You won't have any COVID-19 at all. In the place, which is which is interesting and and also impossible, because you will have people coming from overseas, you will have random cases turn up from time to time, um, you know. So that's that's kind of this thing. Uh, but uh, there was a question about which of those strategies we should pursue, and it's kind of evenly split, forty four percent each between get those COVID cases down as close to zero as possible or live with a few cases as long as there are very few hospitalisations and death, 44% of Australians each. What's interesting is that the remaining 12% have chosen the option, live with COVID-19 even if there are hospitalisations and deaths. So then they went on to ask those people, okay, so um, how many deaths you reckon are acceptable? And of those people, there were most of them, 78%, said, you know, under 100 deaths per year. But when you go through the figures, there were actually 2% of people I take that back, 12% of people who said that even if there's hospitalisation of deaths, that would be happy with more than 5,000 deaths a year. So that's 12% of 12%. What's what's that? I'm going to calculate it for you. 0.12 times 0.12 equals... Uh, point oh one 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 and a half percent. Call it. There's twenty million adults in Australia times point. What what what's that? Yeah, they're the numbers. There's a, a distinct proportion of people. One and a half percent of adult Australians reckon it's fine to have more than five thousand deaths a year. Now, Sheepy's asking. Uh, on the chat, on the YouTube chat, whether there could be trolls in that. I mean, it's possible, but this is um, essential polling who who uh, presumably have procedures uh, to stop that. And it's people who, who are coming back and, and doing their polls from time to time um, about other things, and they've gone through this far. This was quite a way into the poll, so they would have had to um, go through all of the political questions and standard things. Um, um, to do that. Uh, Kalata says 5% of corporate psychopaths in the, the population. She's probably right. Um, Certainly sociopaths there. So, yes, more than 5,000 deaths, 12% of 12%. That's amazing. I thought I'd do a quick comparison. Now, Comparisons like this are a bit meaningless, to be perfectly honest. Um, but I thought I'd say, well, what about road deaths? They're a thing that we, we continue on. I didn't want to do the whole flu thing that's been done to this. So I looked up the Australian road deaths database at the National Road Safety Strategy website, an initiative of the Australian government. And For the whole of 2020... Actually, I might roll back to the year... No, no, 2020. It's about the same. There are a total of 1,096 road accident-related deaths in the year. Of that, about half of them were the drivers, uh, 534 of them. 188 of them were passengers, 138 of them were pedestrians, 189% were motorcyclists, and 42 of them... um, uh, we're, we're cyclists, so about a thousand a year is something we we accept. Uh, but of course, to keep that number down that low, we have a, a massive amount of money goes into uh, safety related things in the roads. Cars have safety features, traffic lights, police patrols, round about, blah blah blah. So there's a there's a there's an interesting kind of number for you. Five thousand people happy to see you. It's amazing. Hello, I'm Stilgarian. I am. Welcome to the Edict. The other night I had a dream, and uh, I'd like to thank Vivica Wiley for uh, suggesting I tell you more about my dreams. Um, I dreamed that I had to administer the vote count for a corrupt local mayor. And while we were doing the vote count, we had to do this on a video live stream. And we had to do that on the footpath outside a pub. And this guy who's the bear also owned the pub. So I was kind of wanting to suggest that we we do this somewhere else. For a start, um, um, outside the pub on a busy road is not the best place to do a video live stream or indeed to do an election count. Uh, but also I thought it was a bit dodgy. But then I heard some shouting, right? And one of the staff members in inside the pub, staff member was also uh, corrupt, you'll be surprised to hear, um, was shouting at a kid, because a kid had come into the pub, the a bowl, goldfish bowl, a couple of exotic fish swimming around in it. And apparently this kid owned the corrupt barman money for some reason. Probably crack I don't know, can't remember the dream. And he, he didn't have the money. He wanted to offer these exotic fish as part payment uh, on, on the thing. And, and the bar staffer was not having any of this. In fact, he reached in and grabbed one of the fish and, and grabbed the kid's mouth and rammed, it, rammed the fish down into the kid's mouth. And the kid was screaming and struggling. And then the, the, the bar staffer grabbed the other fish and he ran it through something I don't know. It was a machine. I, it was a bit like a sandwich press. But when he pressed the fish down, it, the, the fish came out all long and flat and, and dead. And he gave it back to the kid, handing it like it was like a baguette or something. And he demanded, "No, the money has to be paid the next day." And the kid was crying. And then it cut to a scene about this the, the show Superstore, which I mentioned. Uh, a couple of episodes ago, an episode or two ago, uh, the character Garrett from Superstore, who's the black guy in the wheelchair who does the store announcements, um, I was apparently sharing an apartment with him. And and apparently, like, while looking for the bathroom and, and the toilet was all very confusing, um, I accidentally pissed, not in the toilet, but in his hamper of clean laundry, and then I realised what I'd done because I could see the piss sort of flowing out the bottom of the laundry basket, and I had to kind of clean it up and cover it up, and he was outside saying, why are you taking so long in there? And I'm just, I'm fine, I'm fine, and then I'm trying to work out what to do with all of his piss-soaked clothing for the next day. Um, And then I woke up because I had to take a piss. (laughs) <laughs> uh, that often happens. My dreams are uh, look. I've reached a certain age, and you know, having a leak in the middle of the night is is not an unknown occurrence. Um, so the dreams tend to build around that. Look, I don't. I don't know why. I don't know what this is about. Um. <laughs> Okay, there's going to be a quiz coming up in a minute. In fact, after I've done the housekeeping, there will be a brief five-question five quiz because uh, I know some people were hanging out for the uh, the 8pm quiz, um, which I'm not quite sure what I'm going to do with that. But uh, uh, get your pencils and paper ready for that. That will be coming up in just a moment. As I said earlier, there is um, one more episode in the late winter series. That'll be—I've rec- I've recorded it already. It's about polar politics with Dr. Liz Buchanan from the Australian War College. She knows this stuff. She's also um, taught at the NATO War College. Uh, she's she's written all sorts of papers. She does a course at the Australian War College for one-star generals uh, and such things. She's an expert in polar politics, very very much so. Fun conversation. It's only a little bit about secret Nazi UFO bases under the South Pole. She got really cagey about that. I think she's covering it up. Um, that's fun. So that'll be out. I planned Wednesday the 1st of September for that. Might put it back a day depending on how long it takes to get uh, my COVID test. So that's fantastic. And I want to thank everyone um, who contributed to the late Winter Series 2021 Possible campaign. You're all fabulous. I will list you all again in total in that final episode in some sort of amusing way. Um, And I want to say thank you for this episode as well. Uh, to new flat white subscribers: Ben Morgan, Gavin Costello. Uh, although well, he's a supporter of the pod for a long time, excuse me. Jody M, Paris Lord, Vivica Wiley. Thank you all for, you for you know subscribing at the flat white level, and you scooter subs- subscriber. Let me just uh, have a drink. Guna subscriber, Kate Carruthers, who again is a supporter of the pod, but thank you so much. Uh, those subscriptions are always wonderful. Also, thank you to Andrew McKenzie and Michael Rosser, and a thank you and happy birthday to Carlita Albionak, who's uh, on the uh, video chat I see at the moment there. Happy birthday. I know it's early in September, so a little early, but I think, this is the last pod probably before we get to that. So thank you to all you people. Uh, if you would like to join those people, the 9 com slash tip, you probably all know this by now. Uh, that page also clicks through to all the subscription stuff. Um, I will have a bit of a spring clean of all that um, over the next few weeks. It's all a bit untidy, but regular people know how it works. So so that's how that goes enjoying the people on the uh, the the YouTube chat there uh, talking about dreams yes as I've said on the pod before a particular medication that I take one of its known side effects is uh, vivid long and sometimes even lucid dreams um, that I can often remember for a, a solid period of time. Um, Cheap at half the price. So are you ready for the quiz? Are you ready for the quiz? There are only five questions, but I thought I would see um, how you, you went with that. Uh, just as a bit of a taster, give you something to do while listening. Uh, as usual, no prizes. Um Don't put answers in the live chat. Uh, What else do I need to tell you? No point cheating. It's just a bit of fun. Okay, question one. Here we go. Question one. China has just introduced a strict new law about children doing what? China has just introduced a strict new law about children doing what? It's not running too fast. It's in the news. It's in the news. You should know it. That's question one. Question two, in what country would you find the cities Arlborg, Roskilde and Odense? Aalborg, A-A-L-B-O-R-G, Roskilde, R-O-S-K-I-L-D-E, or Odense, and Odense, O-D-E-N-S-E, what country? For them. Question three, which actor, in the gender-neutral sense of the word, so I'm not telling you that it's a man or a woman or some other gender, which actor appeared in all of these films? Arlington Road, Kingsman, The Golden Circle, The Last American Hero, The Last Picture Show, The Men Who Stare at Goats, and Simpatico. I watched um, The Men Who Stare at Goats again uh, just the other night. It is fabulous. It is on ABC iview at the moment, which means you can watch it uh, without advertising, at least if you're in Australia. So those these films again, Arlington Road, Kingsman, The Golden Circle, The Last American Hero, The Last Picture Show, The Men Who Stare at Goats, And Simpatico, that's question three. What's the name of that actor? Question four, what is this? Now, that might have been a little bit quiet for some of you on the video stream, so I'll play it again. Okay, what is that question for? And question five, the fifth question, uh, it's a song lyrics question. Uh, players of the 8pm quiz will know I can't uh, play all the music uh, because YouTube gets all cranky, and rightly so. I haven't bought a licence to the music. So here, here are the lyrics of a song. This one is from 2013, and to get... The whole point, you need both the artist and the name of the song. Here are the lyrics. We clawed, we chained, our hearts in vain. We jumped, never asking why. We kissed, I fell under your spell. A love no one could deny. Don't you ever say I just walked away. I will always want you. I can't live a lie running for my life. I will always want you. Do the first bit again. We clawed, we chained our hearts in vain, we jumped, never asking why, we kissed. I fell under your spell, etc. I will always want you. That's you at home listening to this. Okay, those five questions. I will go through the answers in just a moment. Uh, but first I wanted to have a whinge about the state of journalism, or rather let someone else have a whinge about it. Um, uh, Richard Herring, the British comedian, uh, who, as you may know, has blocked me on Twitter for implying that he's a cunt, which I didn't. It was Frankie Boyle who, who – I, I just played – I just mentioned the Frankie Boyle thing. It was Frankie Boyle who implied that he was a cunt. Um, but – Richard Herring, nevertheless, has a wonderful podcast called Rahulistapa, the Richard Herring Leicester Square Theatre podcast, even though it's not being recorded at Leicester Square Theatre. Anyway, the, a few weeks ago, uh, his guest was Sarah Kendall, the Australian comedian, and they were talking uh, about things that came out of uh, the British TV show Taskmaster and the people on it and such and rah-rah-rah. Anyway... Uh, Richard Herring had been doing his research on Sarah Kendall and found uh, this I want to read this to you this might take a little time this
0: oh. is my favourite thing to come out of Taskmaster okay. which is the hello article that I found today Taskmaster, meet the partners of the show stars I'm going to take you through this whole thing because I just think this is possibly the worst article ever written this is today I, I found it today, but I don't think it came out today. I think it probably came out at the beginning of the series, right? Greg Davis. Greg Davis, 52, prefers to keep his personal life out of the spotlight, so it's not known whether he currently has a partner. The comedian was in a relationship with Labour Party politician Liz Kendall, but the two parted ways in 2015, after eight years of dating.
1: Though I think couldn't hear any of that. Could Any of you understand? It's
0: a little bit echoey up here on stage. You Is hear that the
1: reverberation, you... or was that just insane? It's just... It was too fast. Slow it down a little.
0: Well, Greg Davis prefers to keep his life out of the spotlight. Fuck. Alex Horn. Right. So this is Meet the Partners. Alex Horn, 42, and his wife Rachel met over 20 years ago. They're both students at Cambridge University. They've been by each other's side ever since, having tied the knot in 2005. That's good. Yeah. Charlotte Ritchie. Charlotte Ritchie, 31, who has previously starred on the likes of Call the Midwife, is believed to be single. In the past she's spoken about dating an economist who she met during her time at university, but in an interview with the Guardian, she referred to him as her ex. I'm, i was glad to hear that.
1: Even I though just I'm don't married. know where this is going and I'm sort of <laughs> I, just think, I just wish you'd skip to it and just get to all. <laughs> not like,
0: Lee Mac, it's not even the funny about you. It's just that this is Meet the Partners. So far we've got one guy's married we yeah. know that he's married. Yeah. Greg Davis, we're not we, we're not sure. Yeah. What, what do they say is. he's he's very Charlotte private? Ritchie, yeah. He's very private. Charlotte Ritchie, we're not sure. We just what, don't we know, know. we know, we yeah, know yeah. she went out with someone once. Yeah. LeMac. He's also <laughs> married. They've got him, okay? <laughs> Jamali Maddox. Not much is known about Jamali Maddox's <laughs> personal <of> life. <laughs> The 29-year-old comedian who grew up in Essex but is of British, Greek and Jamaican descent prefers to keep his private life out of the spotlight so it's not known what his current relationship is. (laughs) Um, I hope I've got all of them. Oh, no. Mike Wozniak. Mike Wozniak, 41, who's perhaps best known for starring alongside Taskmaster Greg in Channel 4 Comedy Man Down, is another one of the show stars who prefers to keep his love life private. (laughs) Sarah Kendall Australian comedian Sarah Kendall 44 is married to acclaimed British playwright and comedy writer Henry Naylor while it's not known how the pair met (laughs) Henry has won multiple awards at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival which Sarah has been performing at annually since 2003 so it's possible their romance started there that's a fucking article in a newspaper meet the partners yeah that's amazing. <laughs> they don't even know how you met. No, but it's also... A man, my man. I reckon they might met. Yeah.
1: Or a library, or an airport. Who knows? I guess we'll never know. There's no way of this ever finding out. <laughs> we'll just agree that there's no way to find out. <laughs> Okay, ready to uh, check the answers to the quiz. Here we go. Question one. China has introduced a strict new law about children playing video games is the answer for the point. People under the age of 18 will only be allowed to play games between 8pm and 9pm on Fridays, weekends and public holidays. Yes, three hours a week for most weeks of the year. Uh, The previous rule was uh, an hour and a half per day and three hours on public holidays, but that's right now. Three hours a week Uh, for video games. That clearly means that China in the gaming kind of championship stuff is fucked and Korea will continue to win that forever. Question two, those cities are in Denmark. Denmark for the point. Question three, the actor in all of those films, Jeff Bridges, um, is the answer there. Jeff Bridges. Uh, question four, what sound is this? That is a satin bowerbird. I will accept bowerbird for the point. Uh, Tilonorhynchus violacius uh, is is the scientific name. You get a bonus point if you got that. Uh, So satin bowerbird, bowerbird for the point. And question five, those song lyrics are from... Wrecking Ball by Miley Cyrus. There's the point there. Half a point if you only got the name, half a point if you only got the title uh, of the song. That was uh, number 22 in the ARIA Singles chart uh, for the year 2013. I would have thought it did better, uh, would have done better, particularly seeing some of the other songs that year. So, uh, Chuck in Silmobo got two points. Um, I'll have a look back at that in a second. Um, speaking of laws in China, have you heard of the 996 principle which the Chinese tech companies push? This is the idea that, that to be properly productive, you should be working 9am to 9pm six days a week. What's that? That's six twelves or 72 hours a week, they reckon. That's what you should be working. Well, the Supreme People's Court and the Ministry of Human Resources and Social Security published an essay the other day uh, about labour violations. They have labelled 996 to be a bad thing, um, and uh, they have called out for it not to be a thing. Um, one tech firm, for example, had asked employees to sign agreements to give up overtime pay. The court said that's unlawful. And a media staffer passed out in the office restroom at 5:30 a.m. in another com- company. Before then, just dying of heart failure. Uh, the court ruled that death work-related. Uh, the company had to pay compensation four hundred thousand yuan. It's about sixty two thousand U.S. dollars. Call it. And Xi Jinping's uh, government has launched a campaign to rein in the growing influence of the country's largest corporation and is calling on the private sector to share the wealth. Yeah, capitalism with Chinese characteristics. Uh, what are looking at some of the scores in the quiz? David Heath to. Uh, Ross Nye says, Was it a blybird imitating a bower bird? It was not because I could see the bower birds in the tree directly above me. Uh, people seem to have got two out of five for the quiz mostly, zero for Benjamin Morgan. I'm terribly sorry to hear that. Uh, 3.5 for Sil Mobile, no, four, whatever. Okay, it's a bit tough. Thank you for playing. Uh, there are no prizes. Um, While we're on the topic of labour and uh, labour rights, the Australian Manufacturers Workers Union this week did what I think is a really stupid thing. Uh, They tweeted, and I quote, mandating vaccines does not get us closer to the goal of getting as many people vaccinated as possible. It's pushing workers further from the goal and shifting the responsibility from the federal government to individual workplaces and workers, hashtag Unions uh, yeah, they got a bit of pushback uh, on that and did delete the... Tree. Oh, Jim Campbell got four out of five. Excellent. Um, see, I, I, I reckon, if you look at history and stuff, modern workers' unions were literally created to improve workplace health and safety as a key goal. Uh, it was about all manner of things. Now And now here is a union going, oh, don't make us get vaccinated. I mean, for fuck's sake, there is... There is a pandemic on you, Gronks. And and before some RSAT says, oh, well, that's just anti-union, I'm quite in favour of the idea of organising, uh, uh, you know, labour and and unions in general. That's just an anti-stupidity comment. I mean, all right, I'm, I'm getting old, but I might have imagined unions lobbying for workplaces to get everyone vaccinated quickly so their members could all go to work together safely. Anyway, they, they did delete that tweet, as I say, really quite, quite quickly. Right, some trigger words. Um, I didn't tell you about trigger words earlier, but it's one of the potential benefits of becoming a subscriber to the podcast or making me an offer in some other way or supporting the possible campaigns and things. So... Uh, Quite often I draw trigger words oh, it's all the way over here. Hang on. Oh God. From the uh, glass jar of glass jar of transparency. But um, there's some trigger words that have been specifically uh, given for this for um, this episode. Like one from Gavin Costello. His trigger word is horsewormer. In ivermectin, hey, here we go, here we go. So, I, I particularly, I, I mean, I could rant about this for hours. I, I decided to just pull out a couple of quick, um, quick little things. One is that a lovely uh, photograph posted on on Twitter by someone called Ray Redacted. I don't know where he got it from uh, today. Is at, at a veterinary supply. Uh, shop of some sort and on the shelf next to the ivermectin uh, there was a little sign saying ivermectin will only be sold to horse owners must show pick of you and your horse and various people ray asked do people who own horses typically walk around with a photo of themselves and their horse and he just got flooded with answers saying yeah people who have a horse have nothing but photographs of their horse and they are more than willing to show you a picture of their horse um, but the kind of beliefs on this are just ridiculous I mean we, we've spoken on the pod before about the kind of weird medical advice that comes through and I should get Cam Wilson back on uh, sometime to talk about the latest but Senator Rand Paul, who, I mean, you could describe him as a Kentucky Republican. You could also describe him as as a completely loopy libertarian fucktard, uh, although saying fucktard's not really kind of sound these days, is it? Asshat. there we go. He says that research into ivermectin is, is being held back because people have a hatred for Trump, apparently, uh, so, here's the, here's the thing. So, I mean, the research says, no, this drug is not effective at treating the novel coronavirus, and the Food and Drug Administration has warned Americans not to use the drug for COVID-19 infections. In fact, the FDA tweeted the other day, you are not a horse, which I thought was a little presumptuous, but, I mean, true in most cases. But no, 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 no. Uh, according to Rand Paul... Um, it's it's a pushback against Trump somehow. He's good, isn't he? Uh, Zach Bornstein um, on the Twitters, again, I don't know who he is, he said, this is weird because the people who are calling us sheeple are the ones taking livestock medication. Which reminds me of a story. I mean, here's here's the bit. I mean, we all know that. We all see all of that bullshit on the line. Many years ago, um, a friend of mine worked for well oh, can i yeah i can tell his story it's long enough ago that people won't remember uh there is a couple company called um cooper's agricultural chemicals or something like that not related to cooper 's brewery they're just cooper's agricultural chemicals and they are uh, they're they're uh they're owned by uh uh what's the name monsanto yes monsanto uh you may know them from such such hits as Agent Orange. <laughs> um, anyway, he was the rep for a certain part of Australia, driving around to all the country towns, um, selling agricultural products to farm chemicals to farmers. And he told me over lunch one day there's a lot of people on farms, a lot of blokes on farms buying testosterone that have no veterinary need for it on their farm because they grow wheat or something like that. So he, he always took lots of supplies of veterinary-grade testosterone with him um, out there to the bush. It was fun having lunch with him because he was like part of Monsanto, as I said. So we'd, we'd, he'd take me out to a lovely restaurant, and then halfway through the meal he'd just say, By the way, do you want to buy a thousand tons of sulfuric acid? I'm like, what? What? No. (laughs) What do I? No, I don't want sulfuric acid. He said, oh, damn, another sale fell through. Whips out his corporate Amex card to pay for lunch. Terrible business. Turns out, turns out I should have been a better customer for sulfuric acid, particularly if I could buy it in the like thousand ton units. Testosterone. Um, Thank you. Uh, Thank you, Gavin, for that. I hope that satisfies you. Now, Silvano. Silvano's on the stream um, watching here. He ran a poll today to decide what his trigger word would be. And the options were culture, research, kindness, and power. And to my surprise... Culture one getting 38% of the primary vote. There was no runoff there, but that's fine. And I don't quite know what to say about culture. I've been thinking about this. The one that comes to mind is screeching about things. Now, earlier today, as I say, I had to figure out where I was going to get a COVID-19 test tomorrow and my options were limited and people started having suggestions oh you could go there or you could phone one of the uh, the drive through ones uh, and just see if they'll let you walk through, I mean they won't because that's the the rule that the whole point is you are safely in your car not traipsing your germ filled self all over the you know all over the place that they have to keep disinfecting and I thought no, I, I, I mean, it's disappointing that there's there's not much for people without cars up here in the mountains. It's, it's irritating, but I don't feel the need to shout at anyone about it. It's just something there. I've made my decision. I don't feel the need to start phoning more people to see if I can get it. Well, I've done. Decision made. Move on. Lock it in. I'm going down to Penrith tomorrow, and I can think about something else. But there does seem to be... I kind of need, amongst many people, to to complain about things and get. And, and this struck me, and, and I'm linking this to the word culture because it's the culture of, I mean, Twitter in particular. Like I can talk about screeching at people on 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 Twitter, but I tweet, retweeted something by Casey Briggs, one of the ABC data journalists, who, of course, has but become a bit of a public face of this data. And I can't even remember what his tweet was. It was something pretty innocuous, and someone shouted back saying, "Oh, numbers, ABC, bias, LNP puppets. David Spears is a is a puppet of Labor. Uh, this is the of the, the the LNP brackets. LNP is only a thing in Queensland, right? It's a coalition of two parties in the entire rest of Australia. And and when I see people just putting LNP all the time, back in my head I go. That person's a fuckwit. That person doesn't know what they're talking about. You know, it's become a little code thing, an ABC bias. No one even mentioned anything. And it struck me that, seriously, if you find yourself screeching to strangers, because I, I, I have no idea who this person was, screeching about media bias in response to some random context-free tweet. And this was, like, after 10 o'clock on a Sunday night. Like, if you're doing this, you really need to talk to your doctor about adjusting your meds, I reckon. I mean, that is just deranged. I mean, it it didn't help that this person then went on to to talk about how every case of COVID came from New South Wales. Well, it came from a virus. Uh, It... uh... I I know it's just stupid. It's just stupid. I think this comes back to the sense of entitlement many people have. The world has to to fit around their needs. Oh I mean, well, it's got to. F- no, it doesn't. It really doesn't. Um, but no, it's no, it's it's the fixated nature of it. Here, yeah, it struck me. Here is a person. Shouting at strangers about about something totally unrelated to what that's just said. Uh, maybe in the the after times, I'll need to um, uh, uh, the sketch has probably been done, but I should sort of uh, film a sketch of you know walking down the street, chatting with a friend, um, and people just jumping at you, shouting random things. Um, as if they were on Twitter, I don't know. Would that be funny? Would that be funny? I don't. I don't know. I don't know.
2: <coughs>
1: Elephant stamp time. <coughs> Elephant stamp time. Uh, every episode. Every episode. Not for ages. Sometimes on this podcast, when I when I get around to it, I award elephant stamps of approval for excellence in the category of thinking, and I have three to award today, and I'm going to uh, zoom through these very quickly. Uh, first one, huh, Rob O'Neill. Rob O'Neill is a Fox News contributor, and eh former US Navy SEAL i mean there's so many of them you know whatever everyone and he he's the guy who claimed that he was the one responsible for killing Osama bin Laden that he was the guy and uh yeah anyway with all of the um evacuation from Kabul, capital of Afghanistan, this week. He he reckons that, that, of course, the Biden administration fucked this up and and he could have done it better. I don't want to be in charge, but if I was, oh, I want to get the Americans? Cool. Give me nine guys. I'm going to walk through the streets and I'm going to kill everyone I see, and I'm going to grab the Americans. It is not difficult. But we have these people who are in charge that are a disgrace. I'm amazed that there hasn't been at least 30 generals and admirals that haven't resigned or been fired today. But we won't because we have a commander-in-chief that was put there through whatever happened at four in the morning on election night. So there's a lot to unpack there, obviously. (laughs) He reckons... Now, you've seen in the news, right, there's, there's like C-17 military transport aircraft being loaded up with hundreds of people at a time to evacuate them from Afghanistan. No, 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 no. Rob O'Neill reckons just nine guys and I could do it. I'll just kill everyone and happen. happens. So elephant stamp for Rob O'Neill. Number two goes to the Mail on Sunday, the Sunday version of the Daily Mail in the UK, one of the finest newspapers and news sources on the planet. On Sunday, their headline on a comment piece was, Let's unite with the EU to crush the curse of border bureaucracy. Oh yes, apparently this idea of border controls and, and all that between Europe and the UK now is Obsolete rules drawn up nearly a quarter of a century ago when computers were still a comparatively minor feature of life. Um, British exports to the EU are being pointlessly hampered by multiple demands for paperwork that will mostly never be read. We need to... Britain should, they reckon, unite with Europe. I was under the impression that 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 had actually been a thing at some point. Elephant stamp for the mail on Sunday for that. And finally, an elephant stamp for Cameron Wilson, friend of the pod, internet reporter for Crikey and uh, At Large. Excuse me while I... uh, I'm getting a bit of a dry throat, but I think that's just because I'm getting a bit shouting. I fucking hope. I don't want the COVID. I really don't want the COVID. Cam Wilson uh, does uh, two live streams on Twitch on Tuesdays at 8 pm Australian Eastern Standard Time and Fridays at 5. Um, on Friday, he noted that he'd been blocked on Twitter by former Senator of Western Australia, Rod Cullerton, who's a piece of work. and He, he now calls Cameron Cam Moron. Because he's a, a moron, you see. It's very, very clever. Um, <clears throat> um Cam said back to to former Senator Coulleton, <laughs> "I've been a journalist longer than you were, Senator." Oh, but, and then Coulleton like del- like blocked him and then deleted the tweet in question, insulting him. Um, and 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 Cam had this advice
2: for rod you never delete a post when someone owns you and you never block them and the reason is because that shows that you are weak that shows that you have lost that shows that you were accepting that you took the l you never do it you have to double down you ne- you have to never give your enemies content as mark says when you delete your, your tweet, people notice. When you block someone, people notice. And what I and and that's exactly what I did. Oh yeah, exactly. There there are serious reasons. There are serious, you know, block if if, if things are really bad. I'm not I'm not joking about that. But for content, for people like me, for, for for posters who are addicted, you should never ever delete your stuff. Never back down. On something like this. Always, always, always quote, tweet me back. Always call me Cam Moron again. Never do that. He, 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 he messed up and, and Rod very publicly took the L. That's, that's Wilson's law, my law of the internet. Never delete, never surrender, never block, never give your
1: enemy content. Wilson's law, I should say. Wilson's law of the internet. Never delete. Never give up. Thank you. Uh, The final elephant stamp of approval goes to Cam Wilson. And to wrap up this little pod, um, very close to the target point of an hour. Wow, that's remarkable. Uh, Two things that I saw in the last couple of days. One was a... A fantastic thing uh, that Oz Kitch did. If you follow Oz Kitch on Twitter, you'll see wonderful stuff from the archives. Uh, Australian Kitsch. And here's a piece from the Australian Women's Weekly magazine, 1965. Their review of the Rolling Stones <laughs> with the headline, The Stones Roll In, Surly But Clean. Yeah, that's the headline. And there begins... England's rather unusual looking group, the Rolling Stones, are proving one thing during their visit to Australia they're people. And whether you like them or not, I can say they're clean, deeply involved in their music, and they smell nice. So I quite love the idea that, that a writer for Australians Women Weekly, Women's Weekly I was going around sniffing the Rolling Stones and presumably other musicians as well to have a, a point of comparison. So thank you to the Australian Women's Weekly in 1965 for, for so, I mean, the Rolling Stones, turns out they're people and they smell nice and that was lovely. And to wrap, the last line, Patrick Skinner, who's a former uh, US military type, Soldier, now a, a detective for a local police force in the United States. He's one of the people you probably want as a cop in the US. It's a note for people who screech on Twitter, I think, as well as much as anything else. He says, the first time you hear of something isn't the first time that thing exists. Indeed. Well, that's all the edict for now. Uh, please do all the things to support the pod, tell your friends, go to the 9 pmedictcom slash tip. Uh, there is, as I say, one more episode coming up this week with Dr Liz Buchanan on polar politics. Until then, I'm still Garian. Wash your hands. The 9pm Edict is a Skank Media production. Sorry.